Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Well, good morning, church. Morning. It's uh, so good to be back again to worship with you and our great God. And yes, indeed, He's so good to us. So thank you so much, Church. Also, just for supporting me as a missionary at Urban Promise as well. So really grateful for that. For those who do not know Urban Promise, you've never heard of it. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick uh, summary of what it is. And so our mission is to reach children in Toronto community housing with the love of Jesus and raise them into leaders. And so that's our mission. And, and what that looks like is we start with, with children age five. So from 5 to 10, 5 to 14, we're reaching them uh, with the gospel of Jesus through our after-school programs, our summer camps, and our March break programs, focusing on spiritual development, academic achievement, and social growth. And then when they get too old for our program, they get to the age of you know, grade 9 to grade 12, we now raise them as leaders. And so the same kids that were in our program, we now give them the opportunity to be employed in our programs, to volunteer. So we're now the ones giving them their first job. And they're learning how to come on time. They're, they're learning how to communicate with their peers. They're learning how to lead activities and games and so on. We're raising them as leaders, discipling them pouring into them. And by the time they get to the age of you know, finishing high school, 18 to 25, we're now giving them, releasing them to restore their neighborhoods. And so some of them have gone off to be missionaries in Africa. Some have gone off to plant churches. Some of them plugged into local churches and been elders. We empower them to restore their neighborhood, however that looks, to be mentors to young leaders that we're trying to raise up. So they're restoring their neighborhoods. Our vision is to see them love Jesus and serve their neighborhoods. And for those who do not know what Toronto Community Housing is, you never heard of it before, Toronto Community Housing is the second largest social housing provider in all of North America. The first is New York City, the second is Toronto. There's around 160,000 residents in Toronto Community Housing. And majority of them are children growing up in these communities, or majority are raised by single parent moms. So 80% uh, are raised by single parent families. And so that's the community that God has called me to serve in. And we are also a global organization. So we're across uh, the US. It started in Camden, New Jersey 35 years ago. And we're in Honduras. We have around 30 sites in Africa. Um, and so we're growing to become a global organization with this focus on raising leaders in these neighborhoods, indigenous leaders who restore their neighborhoods. And so that's Urban Promise. And this summer, we have around 135 kids in our camps. We've hired around 43 young leaders um, and also volunteers, giving them opportunities to just serve their community. And our focus this summer has been around experiential learning. We've partnered with different organizations, doing sailboating and canoeing and going on overnight retreats. And um, kids are learning how to build their own skateboards. So lots of cool uh, things that we're doing. 
And one of the things we are excited about this in the fall is our brother Jermaine Brown. He's going to be joining our team in September. And so we're grateful for Jermaine joining us. So amen. We've been praying for the last couple of years that the Lord will send missionaries, send servants from the community, young men and women that will have a heart for their city and want to make a difference in the city. We've been praying hard um, as we've been understaffed. And it was cool when Jermaine reached out to me and says, I feel the Lord calling me to this work. And so um, the Lord has provided some staffing for us for the Saul, and Jermaine's one of them. And we're so excited to have him be a part of our team. Amen. So we're going to get into God's word today. We're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 1. Um, if you have your Bibles, you could turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Do you guys stand to read the word? Or do, you just, do I just read it? Do you guys stand? You guys stand? Okay. All right, cool. You guys stand. All right. So we're going to stand to read God's word this morning together. Jeremiah chapter 1. And, and it's going to be from chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. And this is the word of God. The word of Jeremiah, the son of Helakai, one of the priests who were in Anthoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jerokim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God. Amen. You may be seated. Before we get into God's word, let me just pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Oh, thank you, Lord, just how good you are to us. Um, and we are grateful, Lord, grateful for your son, Jesus, who came and died for our sins and has given us new life in you, Lord, and that we could worship you and experience you. And Lord, as we uh, just worshiped and now get into your word, Lord, I pray that you will speak just like how you put words in Jeremiah's mouth. I pray that you put the words in my mouth to speak. Lord, I pray that you will speak forth and work in our hearts, even in my hearts as well. Um, let it be transforming. Help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. So work, Lord, today. This is your, your word. This is your work, empowered by your Holy Spirit. So you do your thing, God. And let me, hide me, Lord God. Let self decrease and you increase this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So the title of my message today is Jeremiah. It's called, What Promise Are You Holding On To? And the main point that I want to leave with you today is this, that you have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life and a promise you could hold on to. And my goal is not to try to explain to you what your purpose is and specifically and how you could find out your purpose, but to look at Jeremiah and discover how God's called him with a purpose, a purpose that is universal for all of us, and a promise that is also universal for all of us as well. So that's what we're going to talk about, this purpose that is universal and this promise that is also universal for us as well. So my first point is this, looking from verse four and five, purpose. The Lord craved you for a purpose or with a purpose. It says this, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you a prophet to the nation. Let's first look at the historical context in which Jeremiah is being called. The nation of Israel was split into two. So you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So this has happened after King Solomon died and his sons took over. You can read about this in 1 Kings 12. So Israel was split in the northern kingdom, which was 10 tribes. And then there was a southern kingdom, which was Judah and Benjamin. And so a young boy by the name of Josiah, God had called him to be king over Judah. He was only eight years old at the time, and he was considered a good king, and he led the people to worship God. But then after Josiah died, and his sons took over, uh, Joachim and Zedekiah, they did evil in the sight of God. They led the people to worship a false god. And so Jeremiah is called in a time when it was good, and then it became really bad. And the people began to sin and rebel against God and, and, and worship false gods. And then God is calling with a message to these, the nations. He's telling them, one, to repent. God is going to judge you. So he's coming with judgment. But he also tells them that, you, you know what? Babylonians are coming. They're going to take over. God is going to punish you for your rebellion. But he also tells them that God is going to also restore you. So he didn't have an easy message. He didn't have a nice message for the nations. This is what God had called him to do. And God said to him, hey, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were even formed in your womb, your mother's womb. I knew you. Before you were on your parents' mind, or your, um, I knew you. God knew you. It was always on God's mind to call Jeremiah to, to Judah. He knew that Judah was going to rebel against God, or, or God knew that Judah was going to rebel against him. And, and so Jeremiah was not plan B or C. Oh no, Judah is falling apart. They're, they're sitting. What am I going to do? No, God knew that Judah was going to do this. And God knew that he was going to call Jeremiah to go and speak to this nation, telling them and warning them to repent and turn back to me. So he was plan A. And so he's saying to Jeremiah, I knew you before the earth was even formed. And he knows us in the same way. And then you get to verse 5. God says, I set you apart, which means to be consecrated, 
prepared, separated for a specific role and responsibility. He sanctified him and made him holy. So you get Jeremiah's call, God is calling Jeremiah first to himself. Before he's telling him what he's going to do and where he's going to go, he calls him first to himself. To himself and consecrates him, prepares him, sanctifies him, and makes him holy. Then he tells him, this is what I want you to do. Just like the disciples, they're called to follow Jesus first. Follow me, Jesus says. And then as they learn and then they serve him and so on, they begin to know what they're called to do. And sometimes we get caught up in this, right? We get caught up in, Lord, what am I supposed to do? What am I called to do? What's my purpose in life? Where are you sending me? But in Jeremiah's case, it's first about God is calling you first to himself. Come follow me. Be set apart to me. And as you come and follow me and worship me and follow me and know me, you're going to begin to know my will. You're going to begin to know what I've called you to do and where I'm sending you. And some of us today may know your purpose clearly. You've been around for a long time and you know what you're clearly called to do. And some of us don't yet. But in my experience as a Christian, it's a lifelong journey of discovering and learning what God has called us to do. When I first got called to Urban Promise, I was a student at Tyndale. And I just learned about Urban Promise. It was young. It was maybe about two years in, in Toronto at the time. And I started volunteering first in their, one of their programs, an after-school program, on a Friday. And then went to Camden, New Jersey, and learned more about Urban Promise there. And then I said, this is what I want to do. I got some experience working with kids, and I really enjoyed it. And I said, this is what I want to do. When I got saved and was going to church, I was wondering and asking my church, OK, what, what, who's going to reach my friends in my community? What's, isn't the church supposed to go out? We have this great commission to go out and make disciples. I don't see this happening. Who's going to reach these guys on the block? I grew up in Malvern. And who's going to reach them? I kept on asking that question. And they said, I don't know, Sean. You go figure that out. And so that's when I got involved in Urban Promise. I didn't know what I was doing. They were, they, were, they were looking to hire somebody for a summer camp, to start a summer camp in the Rexdale community. So I, so I went down for an interview. And remember, Urban Promise at the time was about two years. And so it was a bit ghetto still. It didn't have much money. And they had an office at a church downtown, Lansdowne and Bloor. And so I was taking the bus downtown. I get out the subway, Lansdowne, and I see this church. The church is called the Church of the Crusaders. What a name. <laughs> Down the road is a Muslim mosque, and they're, they're called the Church of the Crusaders. Beside the church is uh, adult entertainment as well. Right next door to it is adult entertainment. And then next door to it is a coffee time shop with drug dealers and, and, and so on, and prostitutes. And I'm like, where in the world am I? What is this place? What do you call me to, God? And so I get into the church building, and they're like, OK, this is our office. And the office is like the size of a closet space. And they're like, oh, we can't do your interview here. We have this masonette where we have interns staying. It's like a little small connection to the building, the church building, where the interns, they had interns from all the world staying. Um, they're like, we're going to have to do your interview in the intern's bedroom. I was like, an interview in a bedroom? Really? 
And so they bring me upstairs into this bedroom and into the guy's bedroom. And you know these young guys, they're like 19, 20. So blank, blankets, uh, sheets everywhere on the floor, you name it. And so the, the people that are interviewing me, the director interviewed me at the time, he's sitting on the bunk bed. They're like, you know what, we don't have any chairs, so we're going to have to go into the nursery and get one of the chairs in the nursery. They get a chair from the nursery, put me in the middle of the room, and then I sit down on this chair. This chair is the size of a toddler seat. I'm sitting on this toddler seat, looking up at them while they're on the bunk beds. They're looking down at me, and they're interviewing me. I'm like, where am I? Lord, what have you called me to? What kind of place is this? By the end of the interview, they leave the room. They go, I think, to the bathroom and start talking about the interview. They come back in the room and say, Sean, you know what? We thought about it. We talked about it. You're hired. I was like, that's it? No resume, no references, nothing? And they're like, here's the number. We want to send you to Fistertown Baptist Church. We are gonna, we're going to start a camp there, and we need someone to go and start it up. Here's the address. Here's the phone number. Go and reach kids. Go love them with the Lord. Go love them with Jesus. That's it. That was my training, to go and reach kids in the community. That's all they gave me. And I'm from Malvern. And so they sent me out to the Rexdale, to the west end of the city. And you know, growing up when I was around 20, 21 at the time, guys from the east end do not go to the west end. You just don't do it. And so I was like, I'm going to get shot. That, that, that's it. I'm going to get shot. So I go to the west end, and I'm going down the streets and just handing out flyers to everyone about talking about urban promises. Come out to camp, come out to camp, telling kids and parents to come out to camp. There wasn't much programs happening during that time. So on my first day of camp, we're ready to start. Guess how many kids I had in my program? Zero. Two. Two kids. One of the kids was registered. The other one wasn't even registered in my program. I saw him walking the road. I was like, you know what? I'm like, man, I can't just start a camp with one kid. So then I saw one kid walk and say, hey, come on to my camp. Because I'm like, I'm going to get fired here. I can't just have two kids in my program. They're going to fire me. So I see the kid walking. He was like, and I saw him before. And I said, hey, come to my program. He's like, sure, why not? I had a car at the time. And I was like, hey, you know, instead of us taking the bus, because we were, we were going to another location where all the camps were together. And I said, hey, you know, you know come into my car, because might as well, it's just two of us. So if you, you're shaking your head. You know, if you're in youth ministry, you don't just bring kids into your camp. You also don't bring kids into your program that are not registered. I didn't know what I was doing. I loved the Lord. I was passionate in reaching the community. I had no experience whatsoever what God called me to do. So at the end of the day, we took the kids to the program, brought them back. I walked one kid home, and this other boy, Mark, who wasn't registered to the program, I decided to take him home. I knock on the door. His grandmother opens the door, and she, she says to me, what in the world? I've been looking for my grandson all day long. Where has he been? And I'm like, sorry, ma'am, I'm starting this camp. I was excited, and I really wanted kids in my program. She's like, don't you know you don't bring kids to your program without being registered, or the parents know what they're, going, what they're doing? So she brings me inside her, her apartment, and she tells me to sit down. <laughs> and she sits me down on this hard plastic couch. If you guys know those couches where it's covered in plastic the olden days? and it's hot in the summertime, and I'm wearing shorts, so my skin is sticking to the plastic. She's upset, and she says, don't you know you're not supposed to do this? She goes and pulls out a belt out of nowhere, and I'm like, oh man, I think I'm gonna get beat right now. She spanks her grandson instead of me, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. 
And then she says to me, son, I see what you're trying to do in the community. I see that you're trying to reach the community, but you got to do it the right way. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to tell everyone in the neighborhood about the program that you're going to run, and I'm going to tell all the parents to send the kids to your camp. And she said, but, but just, just do it the right way. So by the end of our six weeks of summer camp, we had over 25 kids in our program. I didn't know what I was doing, but God had called me to this. We never know exactly what God has called us to, but he gives us a purpose. And he, and he works in us. We don't know how it all works out, but he's the one that does it. See, we're not all called to be like prophets like Jeremiah or to be a missionary like myself, but we all have a purpose. And that is first to follow Christ, to himself, to be with him, and to be ambassadors for Christ. We all have that. We all have that. It's a universal purpose that we have. And so Jeremiah, God gives Jeremiah a purpose, and then he also gives him a promise. He says to him in verse 5 and 6, sorry, 6 and 8. Oh, Jeremiah, actually, sorry, Jeremiah says to the Lord, Then I said, Ah, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say that I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And wherever I command, whatever I command you, you shall speak. So God gives him now a promise. I will be with you. That's a promise. He's called him with a purpose, and then he, now he gives him a promise. I will be with you. But then Jeremiah says, but, but Lord, there's a problem here. And he says, ah, Lord. And other versions says, ah, sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. So he recognizes God is God. He's powerful. He's in control of everything. But he says, God, there's a problem with your plan here. I recognize that you're fully in control. You, you've called me to this, but there's a problem. One, the first problem is I don't even know how to speak. I'm not, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker, God. There's a problem here. That's the first problem with your plan. The second problem with your plan, I'm only a youth. I'm young. Who's going to listen to me? I have no authority here. And some commenters will say that Jeremiah was still living at home with his parents, and so he was dependent on his parents. So we don't know how old he was, but we know that he was very young. All this time, Jeremiah's just recognizing his limitations, but he forgets who he's dealing with. He's dealing with God Almighty who's in control, who's sovereign and could do anything he wants. He could use me, who doesn't know what he's doing, reach, reach kids in the Rexdale community. And he says this, and we could do the same thing, right? We could look at our limitations, we could look at our weaknesses, and forget that God is sovereign, right? That stuff takes a back seat in our lives at times when things come, right? Problems come our way or we're called to do something that we don't feel like we could do. We forget who God is. We may have fears like Jeremiah did, excuses, or sometimes just disobedience. We don't want to do the thing that God's called us to do. We're just being outright disobedient. Or we just don't want to take the risk or we're worried about where the money's going to come from. And the list goes on. See, where have we heard before in the Bible where there's an excuse that I can't speak, I can't do the thing that you're calling me to do? Moses. Moses. Exodus 4.10, God calls Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, tell my people to let them go. Let my people go. 
And then Moses responds to God by saying, Oh Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And God responds to Moses by saying, Hey Moses, who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? It is not I, the Lord. Go, I will be with your mouth. And I will teach you what to speak. Saying, I'm the one that did that. I'm, I'm the one that makes people mute, blind, deaf, you name it. I'm the one that did it and does it. So God says to Jeremiah, don't say I'm only a youth. For, I'm, for, to, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid. I am with you to deliver you. That's the promise that God is giving Jeremiah. And it's the same promise to us in our calling. I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. I'm going to deliver you. God gives Jeremiah these three assurances in these verses, seven and eight. One, God is one who's sending him. He says, I'm going to send you, which is giving him authority. He's worried about being a young youth. He has no authority. No one's going to listen to him. God's saying, I'm going to send you. I'm giving you authority. And then God says, I'm the one that gives you the words, the ability to do it. And then God says, don't be afraid. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to be with you. In other words, Jeremiah, God is saying to Jeremiah, don't you know? I know your weaknesses. I'm the one that made them all. Don't you know? I, you have no ex- I know that you don't have experience. I'm going to give you the words to speak. All these excuses and weaknesses you have, it's not a surprise to God. God's promises to Moses, to Jeremiah, is the same to us. I will deliver you. I will accomplish the work that I have set out for you to do. And God's promises are not like human beings' promises. Right? We forget. I make promises all the time to my kids, and I forget sometimes what I said. Man's promises, we forget. God never forgets his promises. He never breaks his promises. And it's not dependent on us. That's where we get stuck sometimes, is that when we hear God's promises, we know God's called us, we have a purpose, we get stuck on ourselves thinking that we're the ones that's going to do it. We're dependent on ourselves. We forget everything about his promises, and we think about ourselves. We get stuck in ourselves, and God's saying, no, no. I'm going to do it. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to be with you. Don't forget God's promises. And the third point is this. He provides. In verse 9 and 10, the Lord put, then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my word in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overflow, overthrow, to build and to plant. The Lord provides his word and direction. Verse 9 and 10. You'll notice three things that he says here when he's providing. He says, one, and his instructions to Jeremiah, you're going to pluck up and break down, which means... Uh, you're going to preach against sin to the nations. In chapter 2, Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about that Israel has created two evils in the sight of God. They've broken, they've forsaken the fountain of living water and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can 
hold no water. Chapter, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And so Jeremiah is called to preach against the sin that the nation is doing. They had two evils against them. They've forsaken the living water, and also they have and they've hewed for themselves cisterns, for themselves broken cisterns that can't hold water. And what that basically means is this, is that during the Palestine times, this is the imagery that God is using here, is that there are three sources of water, fresh running water that flows from springs and streams, that's called the living water, and then there's the ground water that collects from the well, and then there's runoff water. And so God is saying, you've forsaken me for this runoff water. And back in the days, or currently now, in the Caribbeans and other parts of the world, runoff water would be considered to us like when you, after it rains, and they catch the rainwater inside barrels or drums. That's runoff water. And I would go to Jamaica and the country parts of Jamaica, and after it rains, the water would come into the drum, and that was something that you would drink or bathe with, but I couldn't drink it because it would make me sick. And God is saying this, is that you've forsaken the living water, like the source for something else that's going to make you sick. Israel forsaking God for these false gods, their own, and to depend on their own selves, which is going to make them sick. And then they, they traded these, for these cisterns, these pots that cannot hold water. In those times, they were, they were made out of uh, limestone and plaster, but they break easy. And that's very similar to when you put your dependence on something else other than God. It breaks easy. It's, it, it's not reliable. Israel made for themselves idols that would never fulfill them, their deepest spiritual need. They trusted in themselves, and they followed after wicked kings. And so Jeremiah's message is to deal with this evil, the sin that they are following. And we too could be like Israel sometimes. We have idols in our lives. These, we may not have idols in our lives, but we, we, we could be dependent on things that are not God, such as money, success, status, all these other things. We could trust these things and not God. And these things will leave us empty. We can live for ourselves and not, not trust God, not be dependent on him. And then he says, you're going to destroy and overthrow, which refers to the message of judgment. God's going to allow the Babylonians to take over them and take them captive. And then the third thing he says, you're going to plant and build, or build and plant, sorry, which refers to the message of hope and renewal. God promises to restore them. So, He's going to tell them that you've sinned and you're going to face God's judgment, but also there's going to come a time when I'm going to restore you and renew you. See, Jeremiah's message to Israel is the same to us today. You have sinned. You've rebelled against God and God will punish you. But now God has provided a way. He's provided his son, Jesus Christ who's died on the cross, who makes the way we were once separated from him, rebelled against him, and now he's provided his son, Jesus Christ, to restore us and to renew us. That same message that Jeremiah has is for the nation of Israel is the same to us, that through his son, Jesus Christ, he wants to renew us, he wants to heal us, he wants to restore us. He died on the cross and rose from the grave that you may be restored and have a relationship with God. 
Jesus is our living water now. Jesus is our hope. He's our anchor. He's our rock. He's the, the one that we could hold on to. God provides this. And this is the promise that God gives to Jeremiah to tell the nations in Jeremiah 31, 33. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. You see that done through Jesus. And then after Jesus ascends, he sends us Holy Spirit who will be with us and live in us. That's the promise we have and the Lord provide. He calls us a purpose, gives us a promise to be with us and he provides his word. He provides Jesus. The task that God called Jeremiah to was a difficult one. I'm coming to a close here. It's noted in Jeremiah's ministry that he suffered greatly and he felt a lot of pain. And he, for 40 years, he only had two converts. Two people listened to him. Two people repented and wanted to follow God. In the 40 years of him preaching, can you imagine that? Being called to this ministry and not that much success? That's not cool. Even his people in his hometown rejected him. He was thrown into prison. He was beaten. 40 years, can you imagine that? He was called to a difficult mission and task to preach God's word. I don't know what God's calling you to, but it could be difficult at times. It could be hard. It could be challenging. Even our own walk with God could be challenging and hard, and it ups and goes ups and down at times. It wasn't easy for Jeremiah, and I could imagine sometimes he wanted to give up. It's recorded in Jeremiah 15, 10. He says that, woe is me, my mother, you bore me, meaning that, man, I wish I wasn't even born. And all that I'm going through right now, I wish I wasn't even born. In chapter 20, verse 7, he says, it feels like the Lord has deceived me and did not protect me. But in both times, he comes to this place of first complaining to now trusting God and praising God. Jeremiah has struggles. We have our struggles. And yet, he remained faithful to his purpose that God had called him to. Why? Because he remembered the promise God gave him that I will be with you. I'll never leave you and I will deliver you. Even though at times he felt like he was being abandoned. Even though at times he's like, man, I wish I was even born. So many people feel like that today at times. But if they could just run to Jesus, that anchor, that hope, that one that says, I will be with you in the midst of what you're going through. Just trust me. Just hold on. I know it's difficult, Jeremiah. 40 years of this, I know. Church, he's saying, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. You may be called into a certain thing. Or your walk with God might be challenging. He's saying, hold on to this promise. I know it's hard. You've been going through it for a long time. Jeremiah has been doing it for 40 years. Hold on to this promise that I will be with you. You could be slugging away in ministry and not seeing much fruit, but know that God is still working in people's lives. God is still doing something in you. I'm going to close with one story. This, this summer, we're running a sermon camp, and you know, our staff have been you know, plugging away, really trying to disciple our youth and really working hard to just pour into them and love them with Jesus, giving them all, to, giving themselves up, just giving everything. 
And then they noticed one day that they're, they, were, they, they're, they lost or they couldn't find their speaker for leading their worship for kids. The speaker is gone. And so for weeks, we, they couldn't lead worship anymore. They didn't have the music. They didn't have the sound system for the music. Until one, one day, a kid comes to camp and gives them the speaker. And like, where did the speaker come from? She says, I found it in my brother's room. And, and that her brother was one of our young leaders that we're discipling, we're, we're pouring into, we're, we're trying to teach them about Jesus, all those kinds of things. And he goes and steals that one speaker that we have to lead worship every day. He, and I'm like, and our staff are like down, like, hey, we've poured so much into you. We've done so much. And you see, we need the speaker to lead our worship and you've just gone and stole it. And your sister's the one that brings it back. Like, why would you think you could do that? And look how it's impacted our programs. They eventually, they give them a consequence. But then also tell them about the hope that God has in their life, in his life. And he wants to restore, restore him, even though he's sinned, even though he's messed up. They start to tell him that, hey, God wants to restore you. God wants to heal you. God loves you. You could depend on these things. Like, you want this stuff. I don't know why you even want them. But God is someone that you could trust and depend on, that you, you could find your hope in. In her ministry, sometimes like it could be very disappointing. There could be struggles, not successful. But we have this hope that, that God will be with us. This promise. He doesn't promise us to be wealthy. He doesn't promise that we have great success. He actually promises that we're going to suffer. But I'm going to close with these verses that I think Jeremiah could relate to. We can relate to as well. It's taken from a writer of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 18 to 25. So I say, My splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped from the Lord, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will, rem- I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, for to, to the one who seeks him. That is hope that we could bank on, that we could, that we could focus on, that we could hold on to. You can see the writer has gone through this up and down, right? Jeremiah's life was up and down, complaining and then, and then holding on to this promise and then worshiping God again. The same thing in this writer. This writer is saying, man, I'm, I'm afflicted. I'm wandering. I'm, I'm feeling downcast. Then he gets to the point of, because of the Lord's great love, I am not consumed. He's remembered that God's great love, I'm not consumed. His compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness to us. Every morning, it's new. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is your portion, he says. So then we could hope in him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray that we will surrender all to you and we will not be dependent on our own selves We'll recognize that we have this great calling, this great commission, this message that you gave to Jeremiah and you've given to the disciples as well to go out and make disciples. And you say you will be with them. 
I pray that everyone in this room will, f- will feel and know that we have this great commission as well to go out and make disciples. We have this great, com- great um, we have this universal purpose as ambassadors. And two, that we have this promise that we could hold on to that you'll be with us and that you will provide your word. You will direct us. You will provide your son, Jesus, who lives in us and will be with us always. Pray we remember this, Lord. And as a church, we'll go out and proclaim this great news of the gospel to the nations, to our communities, to our neighbors, to our friends and our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.